0: Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. We're going to hit our sponsors here in just a second, then jump into the episode. But before we do, make sure you stick around throughout the end of the interview and check out the show notes for great opportunities for associateships, partnerships, and more. If you're a practice owner, you want to find great people, and you want to list a job opportunity or just looking for certain things that your peers out there that are veterinarians could benefit from, feel free to shoot me an email. Isaiah at veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. I will do my best to get those up at the end of different episodes. There's no charge for that. My role, my job is to connect good people with good people. So with that, we will hit our sponsors and be right into the interview. Have you ever walked into a space and thought, wow, this is beautiful. There's a reason for that. Architecture has this innate ability to impact emotions and perceptions. My friends at Apex Design Build bring beautiful and functional spaces for veterinarians nationwide. Apex is a fourth-generation family-run company that is fully integrated from the design, architecture, and construction process to help you mitigate risks, eliminate surprises, save money, save time, and reduce the effort on your project. Check out their amazing work and have access to their square footage calculator to help you plan your expansion or new build. Click the link in the show notes for an exclusive offer and learn more about Apex Design Build. Tired of waiting for ownership decisions to happen? Frustrated with promises broken? Enter Innovative Management Veterinary Solutions, or IVMS. IVMS's goal is to grow privately held, profitable, unique hospitals across Canada, allowing you, the veterinarian, to focus on medicine and not the practice nuances. They handle accounting, bookkeeping, marketing, advertising, human resources, and so much more. The plan is easy as 1-2-3. First you come, work, joining the leadership team for a year to learn the systems and processes, ensuring the fit is right for everyone. Second, you enter into a 50-50 partnership to launch your hospital. Again, you help drive where you go. Three, work together, launch, and scale your hospital. Questions? Head to the link in the show notes for more information, how to connect, and see if this is the right opportunity you've been waiting for. Check out Innovative Management Veterinary Solutions. Find out for yourself why my friends at Shepherd Veterinary Software are the fastest growing practice management software. Hint, they're doing something right. Founded by Dr. Cindy Barnes, Shepherd is an intuitive, easy-to-learn, streamlines practice management. Built for vets by vets, it works for you and your team so you have more time to spend on what's most important, your patients. Shepherd automatically updates the medical records, adds services to the invoice, generates discharge instructions, and so much more. Bring home more stories and less stress. Check them out at Shepherd.vet. Again, that's Shepard.Vet. Hey, Drama. Yes, we do too. That's why it doesn't exist here. It's the only core value that is non-negotiable. Culture is key at Point Grey and Fraser View Veterinary Hospital located in Vancouver, British Columbia, an outdoors person's paradise. Privately owned, fear-free certified practice, the only fear-free practice in Vancouver. No catches, no hidden terms, no negative accrual, no non-compete, and fully transparent. So what do we expect? Sense of humor? We love to laugh, tell jokes, and banter. Be adaptable? Strong team-oriented personality drive and willingness to excel. What should you expect? Do you love snacks? Who doesn't? We have a staff room filled with a variety of snacks. We've got you covered. How about coffee or tea? We have you covered. Enjoy a two-month schedule made in advance so you can actually plan your life. No nights or Sundays guaranteed. Salary up to $170,000, including 20 to 25% commission. Visa sponsorship considered, as well as opportunities for ownership. So apply today for Point Grey and Fraser View Veterinary Hospital. Link in the show notes. Why do most banks always seem to be impersonal? slow to answer questions, or give you the runaround on getting money needed for your dreams. Enter Panacea Financial. Panacea Financial, a nationwide digital bank built for doctors by doctors. Whether you're a veterinarian in training, practice owner, or aspire to be one, someday... Panacea Financial is designed specifically for you. It was started by two doctors who were frustrated in working with banks and so started their own to serve their community. With common sense lending guidelines and fast decisioning, they've helped doctors all across the country start, grow, and acquire their dream practice. Looking to buy into a practice, Panacea helps doctors with practice buy-in loans that are funded in a matter of days, not weeks, or months. If you're ready to join the thousands of doctors nationwide who have declared independence from traditional banks, visit panaceafinancial.com today to see how they can get you started with your dreams. Panacea Financial is a division of Premise, member FDIC. All right. Welcome back to the Veterinary Success Podcast. And I am joined again by two guests that are no stranger to the show. So first is Meredith Jones. She's been on the show, I think this is the fourth time now, and Ryan Koopmans. And I think this is the third time for Ryan. And so there'll be more in the future, but I'm fortunate enough I get to work with both of them from a day-to-day basis on the Vincere side, but I wanted to bring them both on because Meredith had a wonderful idea for a podcast. I was like, shoot, that's a really good idea. The guy that runs this show should think about that. And we just wanted to kind of kick around the idea of our signing bonuses or signing bonuses. Is it sign on or signing? I think that's the big question, right? That's what we're here to discuss. <laughs> um, is it like the next non-compete? And so I was... Fortunate enough when I was down at VMX to run into friend of the show and non compete, uh, savant guru, the man that's made it, you know, mainstream news basically and Paul Diaz looking at the sign on bonus as something that maybe is the next thing that is going to be more challenging. And so I just want to kick it off with the question of, do you think signing bonuses are the new non compete where it's going to keep and retain people in a position that they don't want to be? And then what are some things that we want to think about? And so that can go to, to Ryan, to Meredith, whoever wants to jump in on that.
1: I'll go ahead there, Isaiah. Thank you. I think it's the magical, it depends, right? I think some people, they won't look at their contract. Not something that you know they've been taught, it's been explained to them, they've been educated on. And so they will take that sign on bonus and they will mentally put themselves in that position until that sign-on bonus, that commitment is up. And so without looking, you know, have some forethought, some forward thinking before signing those things, absolutely. I do think it's a retention tactic that will keep people there longer than they initially need to be or want to be. And sometimes without them even knowing, hey, there's other possibilities I could go explore.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of these signing bonuses, they come with strings attached. They come with Something called a clawback clause, which it's not going to say that in the contract, but the clawback clause is where if you don't stay in your job for a certain period of time, so sometimes that's a year, sometimes it's two years with the really huge sign on bonuses, sometimes it can be even four or five years. And I see, because I'm the admin for the debt free vets Facebook group, I see a lot of questions about this and I see a lot of discussion where vets and fourth year students. They're saying, hey, I'm looking for a job. I've got the sign-on bonus. It sounds really cool to get a big sign-on bonus. But at the same time, what is causing that practice to offer the sign-on bonus? If it's something small, then it can make sense for it to just be retention, just, or I shouldn't say retention, really just to get a doctor in the door. But some of these larger sign-on bonuses, you have to think about, okay, why are they offering that much? If it's $75,000, for example, why are they offering that much for a sign-on bonus? It's usually either a practice that they're having a hard time filling the position where it's in a difficult location. So sometimes it's ER positions where you're probably going to have to work overnights, Sometimes it's just a location where it, maybe it's a little bit more rural and they're having a hard time filling it. But yeah, that's the concern is, okay, what if I don't like my job? And so could it have the same effect as a non-compete where we're keeping some veterinarians who aren't happy in their job and their job for longer because they don't want to have to pay back the sign-on bonus potentially?
0: I'm going to ask both of you, what's a huge sign-on bonus? What's a number? Do you have a number that you feel like is huge? Yeah.
1: I um, My initial thought was I had a client that got a quote sign-on bonus for $400,000. That was huge to me. I haven't seen anything close to that, it, but that was the one. And how I would define it is probably probably over 100 at this stage. I would consider that huge.
2: Mm-hmm. I'd say anything 75K plus
0: would be huge. And then you talked a little bit about, Meredith, the clawback provision. And I think it's important to, let's kind of unpack that because if you think about, okay, I get $75,000. I'm supposed to be here for three years to someone that is maybe not thinking through all the ramifications of that decision. They're going to say, okay, if I'm there for two years, I earn a, a portion of that. Maybe I owe the rest of it. But If you look at the terms for some of these, it is an all or nothing type thing until you get to the end that you're going to owe that money back. And oh, by the way, when that signing bonus is paid out, you don't see the full $75,000 because there's a thing called taxes, right? And that money still is exiting that practice at that number. But can you kind of walk through or talk through some of the different things around the clawback and the provisions? And is it normal that it is the entire time? Or is there something that it is incremental where you're going to owe a portion of it, or is it all or nothing?
2: So it depends. Again, and I've seen it described various ways. There are some people, and whether the veterinarian has negotiated this or whether the company is just offering it, where they'll say, okay, this is paid out over a certain period of time, or even where it's prorated, where, for example, you say, okay, well, quarterly, it's going to be paid out. And It's going to be something that if you leave at a certain point, you're not going to have to pay the entire thing back. So it really depends on the details of the contract, how that's going to go.
0: And Brian, I wanted to ask you a question and it was around the really big signing bonus that you talked about. I think I know the answer, right? But did that individual decide to stay for the entire time? Are they still there or was it something that went away?
1: Yeah, I think it took less than two months for that person to leave. And and Meredith's comment previously was the sign-on bonus, the culture is more negatively affected, right? There's a reason why that hospital has had a tough time finding a person for that position. So the higher the signing bonus gets. So a lot of people just see the lottery ticket, right? And I'll just, yeah, I'll punch my lottery ticket. That sounds great. And don't think about the next thing.
0: It's kind of like the red flags that are going to start going up when you see that, right? It's like, why is this so attractive? And why is no one else taking this? Because this seems like a wild amount of money. And I think there is the thought of, is a signing bonus in and of itself a bad thing? No, like that's great. I would love to have a signing bonus for something. I think it's just what are the strings that are attached or what are the expectations alongside that that makes it different. Because if you tell me, hey, you can have no signing bonus or you can have a signing bonus, I'll take the signing bonus. I mean, I'm not going to just be like, yeah, no, I don't need that money. Like that's cool. Because again, early on, especially, or when you're switching jobs, that money can be significantly meaningful for different goals and objectives and things that you're going to try to accomplish. But in the same vein, you can't make a decision purely on the dollars and cents if this is something that you don't think is going to be sustainable and you're going to be locked in somewhere for a while. But having commitment to a practice shouldn't be a negative thing. I mean, the goal is when you get hired that you want to be there for a long time, right? You're not going in saying, well, I think I might have 18 months in me here and then we're going to move on to somewhere else. The goal should be that you're there longer. And so if you find the right fit and someone wanted to pay you that signing bonus to be there, that's great, but it doesn't seem to work out that way, right? A lot of the best cultures are not the ones dangling the six-figure signing bonuses from that standpoint, but Thinking, yeah, just about the mobility standpoint and being locked in, you think about like a non-compete and a signing bonus. I honestly think a signing bonus could be worse than a non-compete because a signing bonus doesn't matter if you want to move across the country and go work. You still owe that money back. Whereas with a non-compete, it's that area. You can go move somewhere different and work. So I think you could almost make the case that it's actually worse. Thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, it could be. And something even worse than that, that is in a few contracts nowadays, there are some, and this is from talking with Lance Rosa, who's a DVM and attorney. He has actually seen some contracts where you have to pay damages if you leave early. And I I can't imagine leaving a practice for any reason and getting a bill for $50,000. And apparently that has happened to some people. So definitely know what's in your contract and know what the details are. But I got off track a little bit there, Isaiah, from your question. Well, I'm,
0: ju- I'm just trying to think what damages are you inflicting on a practice that's going to mm-hmm. be like that. And I would tell anyone that if someone's going to do things that are that foolish from a, from a corporate or private and they're going to go after you for damages or something, you should absolutely try to do your best to handle the situation between you and them as adults. But if they want to be unreasonable there's a beautiful thing called social media that you can call some people out and just let them say, Hey, please explain this to this audience. Now, again, I think the adult thing to do is to go back to them and have the conversation and say, Hey, let's make this reasonable. And I don't think this makes sense. This is why, and have that conversation. But if they still want to push, yeah, I mean, let other people know how ridiculous it is. And uh, those bad actors, that's what I would call them, right? A bad actor long-term isn't going to attract any veterinarians. And you know what happens if you have no veterinarians in your hospital, you're not going to function. You're not going to be around. So I think the idea of this locking people into somewhere like and it goes back to the same idea of like what Paul's talked about, what others with non competes and signing bonuses create a good work environment and let people do their best work, pay them appropriately. And you know what? You'll be surprised at what happens. It's like quit trying to play so many different games and try to do so many different things to like figure out a way to be a crappy boss and treat people like crap. But they'll have to stay because of X, Y, Z. You know, you got these talents in them where they can't leave. So I don't know. That was a rant, Meredith. We're getting off topic. That's why, I mean, I knew that we would. And I think one thing that you might've brought up, Meredith, and kind of talking about this before is, does this help with having the ability to sell at a higher valuation if you're able to make sure that you have the doctors retained? And I think that was a lot of times the arguments that I would hear the same way for a non-compete is at least you don't have to worry about them leaving and opening up across the street. Same thing that we just talked about. It could actually almost be worse with a signing bonus because they can't leave because the money's owed back and they might've spent that. So I guess one of the questions would be when you get a signing bonus, how do you treat that from like a financial planning perspective? Like if I get a signing bonus and I think that I'm going to be there the entire time, how should I treat that money? And how do I make those decisions? Any thoughts on that?
1: Right. I think that one's really tough. Cause that's going to depend on everybody's personal financial situation, whether goals, what, you know, what debts do they have that they need to get paid off? You know, if they're, if they're using it to pay off credit card debt, well, They're probably just going to go spend all that money and pay that credit card debt off. And if they're leaving a year later, they're not going to have the savings to pay that back. So credit card debt versus other, you know, they might get to vacations, might get to investments, those types of things. So I think a lot of people would, without consulting a financial planner, would go do those things in somewhat that order. As far as if I was advising one of my clients, I would obviously look at, their big picture. And maybe I tell them, hey, sit on this money for three months. Put it somewhere nice and safe. Let's see how the practice goes. And it gives them the options and the ideas of, hey, yeah, does this feel good? You're 90 days in. You feel like you can be here for a little while. Well, hey, let's go use this money then. Or hey, let's do another three months, six months before you really go use those dollars. Cause you're going to be out a heck of a lot more if we have to go pay those back in three months than if we go do something with it. Let's keep our options open and really discuss all the possibilities. One of the things I always think about is begin with the end in mind. I love that saying. I love that thought process because it really opens your mind to what if this goes really terribly? How is it going to hurt me? Well, hey, if I have to pay $75,000 back, that's going to hurt. I already have all these other things that are on top of my other goals, house, kids, mortgage, all these other things. Now do I have to pay back a signing bonus? That's going to hurt. So begin with the end in mind, look at things in detail, think about, hey, the worst case scenarios, and if it's not that bad, you're probably in decent shape. That's my initial thoughts, that's a good question.
0: Meredith, any any thoughts from your end? Anything that you would deviate from the way that Ryan answered that?
2: Yeah, well, the other thought is just coming back to taxes. Some of these sign-on bonuses, they'll be paid out in full. So if you have a, say you have a $20,000, we'll come down to more normal numbers here. $20,000 sign-on bonus, some of the hospitals, corporations, whatever, some of them will go ahead and take out taxes and you're good. But if they pay you the entire $20,000 in this example, then at least hold back enough for taxes because you're going to have to pay that at some point. And so that would be the bare minimum. But then adding on to what Brian said do some planning and see. it all depends on, okay, do you have an emergency fund and all of these other things that we talk about with financial planning. But if you can, make sure that you're holding back at least a portion of that for a period of time to make sure that you're happy enough in that practice and that things aren't going to blow up. And what's hard about this is that even the greatest practice with an awesome culture they could lose two doctors in the next year and it could have nothing to do with you and other things can happen that just have nothing to do with not even necessarily the way anyone's running the practice. It may just be that folks have to move for some other reason and the culture of a practice can change as a result of that.
1: What are your thoughts on that, Isaiah, as the planner?
0: Yeah. I I think holding some back at the tax pieces is I think a, wise thought as well, um, depending on how they're going to do that. Because you hear a lot of times people will say, oh, my bonus is taxed at a higher rate. It's like, no, not necessarily. It just depends on the way that they're going to do that. The one thing that I was thinking about was Ryan, to your point, we're thinking about like, what if this goes wrong? And I think it's good to kind of look at it from all lenses, but I don't want it to be this like, woe is me, like everything's going to fail and like, let's plan to fail, right? You hope that it's going to work out. I think there needs to be a sense of optimism, but if you've been burned in the past, like it is pretty easy to get all I can think of this black blackpilled right now. Like You just go into it thinking like such negativity uh, of all these different things where, oh, this can't be as good as they say, but if it is, blah, 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 but I'm going to plan for it all to, to fall apart because if you're going to go into this, it's the same way with a relationship. If anyone meets someone else, they're like, well, this is going to fail and this is going to blow up and be terrible. Well, odds are you're probably going to lean and steer it to go into that period. You're going to self-destruct. So I think at the end of it, it's like you need to go into it thinking, hey, this is going to work, but then you have to be a realist from the standpoint of, Don't jeopardize your future by, yeah, pre spending money that maybe technically isn't quite yours yet. Think of it almost like it vests over time. And maybe that's an easier way. Like, yes, I have this money and I'm going to do it in a portion. I'm going to do a a fourth at the end of the first year. I'm going to do a fourth, depending on what it is. And like, I'll allocate that money at that time on whatever it is. But yeah, Ryan, to your point, and Mayor, the same way, like if you have a bunch of credit card debt and you're going to carry a 22% interest rate on credit card debt and hold cash, like that gets, Pretty quickly, I'd want to at least tackle that because at the end of the day, you could go out and find another source of funds that are going to be less than that to go pay that loan back or the signing bonus back. That would be cheaper for you than just holding credit card debt through that. And there are things to think about there, but ultimately, that signing bonus. One of the things I think about it is if you are trying to plan for a tax bomb, use that as a jump start. Put it there, let it go, and do its thing, and then know that that is kind of what those funds are for, and then start living off of and make kind of what your sustainable lifestyle is off of what your normal income is from that practice. So that's one way to think about it. I don't know if anyone has thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with the thought about, okay, let's plan that everything's going to go well. And really I did a poll actually this morning on the debt-free vets group asking, okay, if you got a signing bonus more than six months ago, how do you feel about it now? And over half of them were happy with their job and they were happy with the sign on bonus that they got. And so, certainly, I think that's telling there. Yeah, <laughs> he's got the screenshot up for uh, people who may be watching the video here. But yeah, over half of them were happy with their job, happy with the bonus. And a quarter of them said that they feel like the bonus was actually tying them to the practice. And so that's why I wanted to do this episode is I wanted to talk about that because I've seen a lot of conversations about that out there where we should talk about, okay, what does signing bonus mean? But then also if you're going to take a signing bonus, what are some things that you can do to plan to make it so that you don't feel like the bonus is tying you to the practice because that's not any better than a non-compete in a lot of ways. And then there were a smaller number of people who said that they were happy with their job, but that they wished they had negotiated better terms for the signing bonus. So we can also talk about that.
0: If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. For those that are watching on YouTube, there's not quite 100 people that voted, but yeah, a good chunk of them are are happy. Great with the signing bonus, but yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to take that 12% that's happy but wish they negotiated more and say, what do you wish you negotiated better? Right. And so, with that, if you were to be put into a situation on, you know, you're presented with a new offer, you have the ability to negotiate, you know what you know, would there be any areas that you would try to chat with? Would you want to get rid of a signing bonus? Would you say, this is what I would like it to look like? How much flexibility do you think there really is? And I would say typically, probably private practice is going to be much more open than a larger corporate offering, but maybe I'm wrong. Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. So I would say the biggest things there are looking at the fallback or prorated portions of that sign-on bonus. Is it prorated first off? Is it, Hey, you need to stay there for two years. Those are the two biggest things I would look at and probably how most people want to negotiate those terms better. Or maybe they just wanted, instead of the 20,000, maybe they wanted the 75 or a hundred thousand bucks and, and they wish they would have done that, which is a reasonable ask as well for sometimes, but I think that prorated portion really makes a lot of sense, especially if you combine that with your options of, hey, yep, I'm gonna get credit card debt, and then I'm gonna go put in a brokerage account or a taxable account and save for other things. Meaning that I still have those dollars if I'm going for the most part, assuming your investment's going all right. You still have those dollars to pay back if you absolutely need to. The culture's poor; you need to leave. You can still do that if possible.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the biggest thing is prorating. And another thing that you had brought up, Isaiah, is you said, okay, well, what are some other things that people could ask for instead of a sign-on bonus? And so that's something that I think is also interesting to think about because some people just don't want to have that potential stress that they may have to pay back that sign-on bonus. And then the other thing is, okay, that only helps you the first year or two that you're at that practice. What if you stay 10 years? What if you could actually negotiate something that's going to help you for a longer time frame than that? And so other things that you could look at are you could look at your production percentage if you're being paid on production or pro sal or salary plus production. There's a lot of different ways to say it but could you get a higher production percentage? For example, if you're being offered 22%, could you get 23%? Or if you're being offered 20%, could you get 22%? So those are also things to take into account. Another one that I have thought about, and it sounds like a small thing, but it's not if you think about it from a more global perspective, is more CE money. So... It sounds like a small thing like, okay, I'm being offered $2,000 and I'm wanting to increase it or whatever. But first I would say, if you can try to get at least $2,500, it costs a lot to go on these trips and go to conferences and want to have enough money that you can actually take a specialized course of some sort if you want to. And if you want to do something like advanced dentistry or advanced surgeries, if you want to learn how to do a TPLO or something more advanced, or if you want to learn ultrasound, for example, those are all courses that you might take at a center or you might take during a conference at a wet lab, and that could cost an additional thousand dollars. So it's not just that cost, though, it's the fact that you're actually going to have that skill to be able to use and be a more productive employee and also potentially be a happier employee if you're kind of niching yourself within the practice. So that's another thing that I think you could ask for instead of a sign-on bonus that might actually affect your career more longer term.
1: You mentioned this too,
0: retention bonus. That's exactly what I just wrote down was a retention bonus. I was going to ask.
1: Whether it's, you know, transitioning someone's sign-on to retention, you know, decreasing stress and potentially having to pay those things back, you know, to work out your benefits, what's most important for you. I mean, a lot of these employers are, they're going to listen to those conversations because they need you and you need them to some degree too. And you should try to figure out, well, hey, what's most important to you and what does your life look like? What what is most important to you as far as benefits go. And maybe that's CE, maybe that's retention, maybe that's sign-on, maybe it's all of those things. But um, I think that's a great point there, Meredith. I like it.
2: So uh, Isaiah, I wanted to pose a question to you and get your opinion and Ryan's opinion on it. I've heard, especially independent practice owners, talk about signing bonuses being bad business. And they're saying, oh, the corporations are just doing that so that they can recruit more doctors and sell to the next biggest corporation at a higher value. But it's actually bad business. What do you think about that?
0: I would say for the business of veterinary medicine to operate, you need doctors. So if a signing bonus gets me doctors, that's not bad business. We don't know internally what their numbers and their profitability and all those metrics are, right? Unless we have some equity in those companies and they share some of that stuff with us. I think that's more of kind of the sour grapes view of like, I can't do it. So I'm going to talk negatively about others. And that's fine. If I'm a private practice owner, I say to hell with signing bonuses. I'm not even going to play that game. I'm going to talk about something different. And I'm going to just lay out the case for, you can go take that big bonus. And in two or three years, you're going to come back to me anyways, because you hate your job. Right? Let me show you, you can come here. I'm going to train you this way. I'm going to mentor you this way. You're going to learn how to produce at a higher clip than anyone there because you're doing glorified wellness. If you want to make real money and learn how to be a great veterinarian, because that school You didn't learn all this stuff. And your first job is so critical. You want to come here and be mentored by us. And this is the program. And this is the process that we're going to take you through. That's the way I would do it because storytelling is the oldest profession, oldest thing that humans, we relate to stories. So you have to sell the story. And I think it goes back to how you market, how you do all these things to the public. It's also how you're going to attract doctors in the practices that get this, they get it right. But yeah, it literally might be a lost leader in bad business for people to throw out these crazy signing bonuses, but maybe they're not crazy. I don't know behind the scenes how much money is there, but you also have to understand when these companies are backed by private equity or venture capital, historically the cost of capital, so the cost to borrow has been dirt cheap. That's changed over the last year. So what I think, sneaky suspicion, is that some of these signing bonuses, just like the Multiples for practice ownership have come down a little bit. Signing bonuses are going to have to come down too, because if things start slowing down a little bit, you just don't have as much of this slush money that just finds its way to signing bonuses bigger and bigger. But could be wrong. I don't know for sure. But I think a lot of the negativity towards this from a private practice owner standpoint is I can't do it. So it's bad. And if I say that, maybe I'll get a doctor. And what I would tell you is you're not. You need to explain why you're different and lean into that because I think it's a lot more productive.
2: Yeah, and then the other thought that I've had about this is independent practice owners who have said, okay, I'm just going to take the plunge and I'm going to go ahead and offer a signing bonus because I'm afraid I'm not going to get a doctor if I don't do that. Do you think, there's all this talk about a looming recession, do you think if or when that med gets hit by a recession next, whether that's soon or whether that's in a couple of years, whatever... Do you
1: think those practices who offered sign-on bonuses will be hit harder by the recession? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very nuanced question and, and I think it's going to be different for every practice owner and, and where they're at in the world. Are they, are they rural? You know, How long have they been looking for an associate? Are they close to a sale? Those sorts of things would all factor in, well, hey, do I give a sign-on bonus and how many dollars is that? I think ultimately if you are trying to differentiate yourselves, I mean, because you're likely not going to be able to compete with the big boys giving out the huge signing bonuses. So you have, like, as I said, you're going to have to do something different to set yourself apart. You probably want that person more than you want the person just going around for that huge signing bonus. So Mm -hmm. lean into that discuss why you are different, you know, maybe you are selling soon and you don't want to sell a corporate and you want someone that's going to buy your practice. Well, Hey, that's your pitch. That's how you get that person in there. So yeah, they could be hit harder, but they also can use it to their advantage as well. So I still want to hear Isaiah's rant on it too, though.
0: What is that doctor going to bring? And what's the dollar amount that they can bring into the practice? Like, is there enough business that from day one that they can produce at a certain level? And then what's the return on that investment? I think there's a certain amount that you can kind of look in there. I think the other point that Ryan talked about is if you ideally want to sell in the future, you could basically use equity in the practice to bring someone in and say, you know what, we are going to sell to corporate. This is the game plan. In five years, we're going to grow this. You're going to get equity and it's going to vest over those five years. And then you can decide if you want to stay or not, but you're going to be an owner in this business and we're going to go through it and we're going to negotiate. And this is the game plan because that is, Delayed, where it's going to be in the back end of that, where they get the money, but they're going to be there to help increase the value. And so you can kind of look at what does adding a couple different doctors do to the valuation of the hospital, and you can kind of run those numbers and say, hey, we back into this, your signing bonus could actually be X, which could be way larger than maybe what it would be up front. It's not guaranteed, right? So that's one way to look at it. You get ownership in that that vests at certain thresholds, and you because you're a private practice owner, you have so much more flexibility on how to design these things, and I think being a little creative could be beneficial because there are a lot of entrepreneurial veterinarians that want to find a way towards ownership. And you could say, especially if it's a, let's say it's a young doctor that is not quite ready yet. you would say after year two, we're going to have this conversation and it is either you are free and clear to leave or you get this if we agree that you're going to stay here. Like having some of that stuff up front, educating them from the beginning on things that maybe they don't even know to ask like, hey, this is the trap. This is the thing that you don't know that you should know. And I'm going to address it now. And this is how it's going to be structured in your you know, employment agreement and all these different things. That to me is the opportunity. Again, is to run with a different style of programming of how you're going to do your business because you're not going to be able to hit the same dollar amounts as Ryan said. So I know that seems like it's easy to say, hard to do. But for a lot of people, your equity if you're a 75% owner and it's a saleable business, so going back to a previous podcast of kind of that golden like range or area, I'm based on the exact way that Dr. Rothstein talked about that where that's at, but two to three doctors, $2 million in revenue, and maybe you have a newer clinic. If you can't get there by yourself, the saleability of your practice is significantly lower. If you give up some equity, retain some doctors, get you to that point in five to seven years, and you increase the valuation all of a sudden, and who knows what the dynamics of veterinary medicine in the market for everything in five to seven years, right? That's the unknown. And I always joke, right? I say this lots of times to you all. Crystal ball is broken. It's in the shop and it might be in the shop still in five or seven years. But that ability of the business to take away the reliance on you to go in and produce is massive. And that's what someone that's going to want to buy it looks at. So if you're trying to increase the valuation of your hospital, you need other doctors. And so you can be the really scarce about it and not want to you know, recruit anyone, or you can try to give equity as part of maybe what a sign-on bonus would be, which I think is attractive. So anyways, those are my thoughts. So I don't know if anyone listened to this and stayed around, but I feel like that was the good advice if you're a practice owner. I feel like if you're struggling is to try to, again, go at it from a different direction. But Meredith, what are your thoughts on the things that Ryan and I said?
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree. And then the other thing that I've been thinking about is, okay, What about the associates out there who may be in a job where they signed the contract, it's got a sign-on bonus, and they're not happy in their job? One thing is to know your contract really well. And some people also assume that because they signed a contract for a certain period of time that they're stuck there. Most contracts are actually at will, and you can leave whenever you want. Now, you may have to pay a sign-on bonus back, which is part of the reason we're doing this episode. But in most cases, the vast majority of cases, as long as it doesn't say something different in the contract, you can actually leave a practice whenever you want, just because you sign on for a year. That's why they they usually have a period of time that you have to give a notice or that you're supposed to give a notice when you leave is because you can leave. And so that's something to be just aware of, that it's not something where you're stuck for... A period of time until that contract turns around, you can actually leave sooner if you need to. And then the other thing that has come up recently in discussions is if you do have to pay back, if you are stuck and you do have to pay back part of a sign-on bonus, you can file an amended tax return to make it so that it doesn't seem like you got paid more than you actually did.
0: I think it's a great point really important for people to understand that.
1: Yeah, I was gonna mention, obviously before you get into a contract situation, there are plenty of people out there that will help you look at your contract and make sure you're not making a silly mistake. Obviously we are not trained as lawyers. It's not something we need to completely understand. There are people out there that can help you either look at your current contract or look at a contract that maybe you're considering and before you're gonna sign I would highly suggest that everyone does that. And I mean, a lot of times you can get out easier than you think. So it's not like, hey, you are stuck in those things like Meredith said. You can get out of those things pretty easily. You just mentally put yourself in there and you don't want to back out on someone or something because that's not you. Well, hey, if that culture doesn't make sense and you need to get out, there are probably ways to get out.
0: Closing thoughts or advice and guidance that you would give. How would you kind of wrap up your thoughts on the whole idea of a signing bonus or sign on bonus? Meredith, you can go first.
2: All right. Well, one of the things to just keep in mind is that we're calling this episode, Is a Signing Bonus the New Non-Compete for a reason? And that's because I do feel like there is this concern out there that if you have a sign-on bonus, that you may end up being stuck in a job that you don't like. And it doesn't have to be that way. And you can actually... Take some steps before you accept a job by having someone review your contract, and also negotiating for that sign-on bonus to be actually prorated, so that you're not having to pay back a huge amount if you do end up leaving your job. And I do like Isaiah's point too. To you know, certainly, we want to think positive. We want to make sure that we ourselves are doing everything that we can to make sure that the practice where we're working is a good fit, but you just also want to have a little bit of insurance if it doesn't turn out to be a good fit for some reason, because people, things can surprise you or things can come up that you don't expect. And that little bit of insurance can really be savings and just planning ahead.
1: One thing I would suggest to people is, you know, when you go to interview at clinics and talk with, you know, I would talk with receptionist front desk staff technicians doctors not only while you're there for the interview right but i would ask them hey you know do you mind if i call you after mm-hmm. this interview at some point and discuss you know offline here like what are your suggestions and thoughts on this hospital not everything is rainbows and butterflies right but you also want to understand like what you're getting into and i think looking at that and understanding hey there are going to be some things that aren't going to be perfect but hey that fits you and that sounds good do the more research, the better. You can understand, hey, I feel more comfortable in that in that sign-on bonus and what it looks like. But details matter. Make sure you're paying attention to those things in the contracts. For me, I really like thinking about the realistic optimist in myself and that I will look at the worst case scenario. And if it's not that bad, I'm okay. I feel good about it. Even though it's like thinking about the negative outcomes on something. It's really not that bad for me. That's great. That's fantastic. That I means this is probably something I'd take a risk on.
0: I think everyone should know how to find you all, but give a handoff on where different things are. So Meredith, you know, plug all the stuff that you're doing, whether it's the, whether it's VFS, whether it's Debt Free Facebook group, whether it's things on LinkedIn and same Ryan to you as well.
2: Sure. Absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn. I also work with Isaiah at Vincire Wealth Management. So you can look up VincireWealth.com. The Veterinary Financial Summit, we are hosting another virtual event this fall. And so you can go to vetfinancialsummit.com to check that out. And then I mentioned the Debt-Free Vets group already. So Isaiah will have you put a link in the show notes to that.
0: Absolutely. I can do that for all those. Ryan, what about you?
1: Yeah, pretty simple and easy. Just Ryan at VincireWealth.com. That's all I got.
0: Perfect. Makes it easy. All right. Well, I appreciate you both. And I think this will be a topic that a lot of people will want to chat on and and think on. And so we'll see what kind of comments and uh, trouble we can uh, get people into starting to ask more questions around signing bonuses. All right. So there are a lot of new job postings. I'm going to read through these. Again, please let me know if you reach out, connect with anyone, and this becomes a full-time or part-time opportunity for anybody. So the first one is a central Indiana private practice equine or companion health practitioner, Janison Veterinary Clinic. So JVC is a six-doctor team-oriented, AHA-accredited hospital with a focus on progressive veterinary medicine, quality patient care, and excellent client relations, four-day work week with rotating Saturdays, dedicated assistant or licensed veterinary technician, Compensation is a base and bonus structure. Lots of benefits, too many for me to list. Bayside Hospital for Animals. Great work, life balance in beautiful Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Minutes away from the beach. Who doesn't love that? No weekends, Monday to Friday, 8 to 5. No on-call or emergencies. Currently a -a two-and-a-half doctor. Non-corporate, small animal practice. Uh, Lots of growth in that area. Associate position, happy to offer mentorship for new grads. Pro Sal with lots of benefits. Too many for me to list. Newport veterinary hospital, Newport, Vermont, growing, thriving, rural, small animal practice with a touch of daytime urgent care on the Vermont, Quebec border, seeking the right veterinarian, enjoy the team full-time preferred, but part-time considered as well, privately owned value, the staff and doctors equally with clients and patients core values are integrity, motivation, empowerment, cleanliness, education, and compassion. If you love the outdoors, Vermont's hard to beat list a ton of stuff for you to do there. on compensation. Basically it's bottom line. You can write your own ticket within the boundaries of production. The goal is the forward thinking owner is reasonable. Would love to chat and build something that fits for you. And so there are open discussions there on that front. Associate veterinarian, part-time or full-time Fulton County veterinary clinic in Indiana. Are you looking for an oasis in the chaos? Do you want to be valued for your individuality and ingenuity? They offer and strive to foster a fun, fast paced work environment while providing quality patient care, utilize support staff effectively so that the doctor is available to do more medicine and less time doing paperwork. No emergency on call, no after hours, no weekend work will ever be required. Um, flexible scheduling, competitive salary between 100000 and 150000 Signing bonus benefits, uh, too many to include, but one interesting one there as well is a mental health sabbatical. So those are all the offerings. I'm sure there'll be more at some point. I'm going to have to say, I can't read all of them, but uh, if you have one, keep them coming. And I hope that is helpful. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should talk to your professional team before implementing anything. If you want or need financial advice, my day job when not podcasting is helping veterinarians grow their net worth. Our team is taking new clients and we are ready to talk to you at any stage of life. Come as you are. I always say, bring the mess, right? Like if things are unorganized, that's okay. There's no prerequisites to become a client. Isaiah Douglas is a partner at Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is a registered investment advisor registered with the SEC. The biggest compliment you can give me in the podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found. And Apple Podcast is the platform that is predominantly used For people listening to the show. If you have three minutes, love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review. It helps more people find the show. Also, the new YouTube channel is up and I'd love to have you subscribe. Vainly, I want 100 subscribers at least. Lots more, obviously, right? But I get a vanity URL if we get to 100. That would be great. It makes it easier to find the YouTube channel as well. For all of today's links, information, head over to theveteriansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe to your favorite podcasting platform. It'll be a link to that YouTube channel I just talked about. You won't miss any other episodes, whether you list on Spotify, whether you have some other ancillary podcast platform please like subscribe, all that stuff. It certainly does help. I appreciate it. Finally, if you want more information, insights, want your voice to be heard, want to share ideas for content, say, Hey, Isaiah, I want you to have this guest. I want you to talk about this topic. Go over to the Facebook group. So you can search for the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll to the bottom about your host, click on the Facebook icon, and that'll get you in the group. But thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me to be able to see the podcast grow and continue to impact people. So with that, until next time, we'll chat soon.